poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today's a tactical day, so I am joined by my co-host, Mr. John Chai. How you doing, John? Doing pretty good. Pretty excited to test out this new uh, new episode format. Um, you want to just cue the listeners in on, on what we're going to try out this week? Yeah, so... You know, we're finally executing on the genius idea that I had as an impulse a few tactical Tuesdays ago of uh, showing a hand that we had previously broken down from an earlier episode of Tactical Tuesday and then updating it with our current, current thoughts, right? Just seeing how we thought about the hand previously and then bringing it to the present um, with some reanalysis, right? And uh, yeah, so we've got the hands broken down like what what's the theme going to be in this uh update episode i mean so the theme is sort of like it's related to like this old episode so i just i'll I'll go back i guess and just do a little recap of like the episode that we're getting into and this like, like first hand i go just absolutely bananas with two pair on the river just trying to fold out um you know a straight basically um very similar thing happens in the second hand where i just go pretty crazy with ace high in a spot where um you know, probably could just think about bluff catching again, trying to fold out almost basically in the entirety of their range. Um, and we're going to use this episode to uh, see if, you know, you and I still agree with my thought process. Um, I don't think you agreed with my thought process in either of the hands back then. So maybe we'll see if you agree with my thought process now and we'll see if I still agree with uh, how I played with the hand. Or sorry, we'll we'll see if I agree with how I played the hand uh, about a year ago. Yeah, you're going to play with the hand. That's that's a strange thing. Um so let's break down the action for the the podcast listener and the YouTube listener because we're about to you know jump in our way back machine and throw up the uh, the old clip. Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll do the first hand. Um, I open to uh, we're playing five ten six max. Um, I'm in middle position. Uh, looks like I open to twenty two fifty with uh, Jack ten offsuit, Jack of clubs, ten of hearts. Um, the big blind defends. Um, I flop a gut shot on, I think on like a queen eight export, the flop goes check, check. Um, the turn, I turn a pair, uh, the big blind probes turn for, uh, about three quarters pot. I call, uh, the river completes a four liner. Um, the villain bets, uh, villain and the big blind bets a little bit over pot. Um, and I decide to jam. Right. And you river two pair, by the way. So yes, you had a pair and a gut shot, but it didn't complete your straight gut shot. It completed your, uh, your two pair. So, all right, we're going to play the clip and then give our thoughts. All right, so I guess we'll start with, you know, your use of having a spade or not having a spade. As yeah, the, so that stuff has gone completely out the, out the door these days. Just like, I used to, I think I did used to just talk way too much about like, well, if I had a spade, like I would do this or like, you know, I would bluff catch this river if I had a spade or, you know, if my jack was in the club or like, you know, all these sort of, it feels really cool to say those things. I'll say that, you know, it sounds like I'm like 
really just like getting deep into poker. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that especially MDA has opened my eyes to is that like, that's all just for the most part, it's all fluff. Yeah, I think that, I mean, there are definitely times when like the suit of your cards matter uh, to a somewhat large degree where that can be a, you know, high priority data point that you use to determine what action you take. I don't think this is one of those spots though. Like it, it just generally they tend to happen like on the river more often yeah. than not and not yeah. like on the flop. Okay. So yeah, I mean, your decision to check back though. Uh, and by the way, you open the cutoff, not, not the hijack for this hand. It looks like that you're only playing five handed. Uh, I think Jack 10 off is yeah, that makes out sense. Of, out of range. From, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hijack, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Tell me about betting or checking this flop these days. Um, I'm still like, I still think that there's a lot of different, very profitable CBET strategies you can have on these types of boards. I think that you can range bet a third. That would be good. I think you can have like a, um, you can like bet a third, like high frequency, but like not with like the entirety of your range, maybe a hand like pocket jacks, like doesn't want to bet a third. So like you'd bet a third with like all the hands that aren't, aren't like jacks, tens, nines, maybe like eight X. Um, and then I also think that you could just have like a, a big bet check strategy on this board as well. And um, I think just going back to my old self, like in this video, it looks like that's sort of like the strategy that I was implying. I think uh, that I was playing. I think even if that was the strategy that I was playing, I think betting Jack 10 would be, you know, putting Jack 10 in your big bet range. I mean, we have a, a draw to the nuts um, and Jack high would be completely reasonable. So uh, looking back at my old self, I think like, 2023 John would almost always start out with a C bet here, but what size? I, mm, I would start out with a third. Third, yeah, yeah. So you heard it here, John's reanalysis of the situation. You can check. You can bet thirty percent, or you can bet seventy percent. All of them are valid, <laughs> valid choices. So basically, you can just do whatever you want to do, and that's okay. And I tend tend to agree with that actually uh, for this flop decision. So, yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest thing here with your old self is just cutting out, you know, the determiner being like spade or no spade as right, a right. priority data point. I think that's mm -hmm. something that's you know just fat that's gotten trimmed over time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Ah, <sighs> I don't know what to think. I mean, it's just. <gasps> so the board is queen jack 10 8 5 for the podcast listener so there's a four liner nine makes a straight that's why you know old john was talking about trying to fold out a nine yeah maybe maybe i've just gotten like nitty in my old age or something but like looking back on this i'm like wow that that's like just like just pushing the ace king thing like to the absolute max here and like you know hoping that they fold out basically the the best hand that they that they ever bet um or you know hopefully hope, hoping that they fold out every single hand that overbets the river um it's pretty wild i don't know if i saw this hand though I, I think i would like like it like if a student brought me this hand i think i'd be like yeah yeah i see i see what you're doing like um <laughs> well it, it would actually make sense that you like it right because well a you you played the hand um so like an earlier iteration of john played this hand i think b it's like these sort of things, I think you're just part of the process of growth as a poker player, right? Like you, you go through this stage of your career where you're like, oh, I have ace king, they don't. So F you, I'm putting in all the money 
mm-hmm. and just going to try to force you to fold everything that you have here, including straights. Yeah. I think that once you know you go through that phase and you try to fold out straights and you recognize like, oh, people really aren't folding straights here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have to imagine that like, you know, the problem with trying to fold out straights is that, you know, you have ace king in your range, right? And both you and the villain know that. And if the villain folds a straight, well, then they're folding like everything every time pretty much they they're going to call with like king nine only yeah, yeah. Um, and i just think that you know villains are going to be more cautious than that and just imagine that like you can have you know king queen um, maybe ace queen i guess king queen is probably the better one you, you want to have a hand with a king in it king 10 maybe king eight yeah those type of hands where you know you block king nine and yep. you're just like repping ace king to the hilt right yeah um so yeah i, I think that like it's a good thought. I think it's a good look. I don't think you're going to fold out nines. Um, it's a little like looking back at it. It's a little, it feels a little bit too like brute force, uh, brute force ish, right? Like just, I'm just like ramming it down his throat a little bit too, too much. Like, I don't know. That's, that's sort of what, what it feels like to me when I'm like, yeah, okay, I get, I get what I'm doing, but it's just like you said, like I'm, I'm leveraging the ace king thing to the absolute hilt. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it there are worse problems to have as a poker player, right? Than recognizing like, oh, I'm the only one with nutted hands here. And like, they bet really big. And like, that just has to be like that. That just can't be a good decision by villain. Like I think villain didn't play this hand well at all either. Mm-hmm. Um, and their choice, their size selection here and their decision to bet the river. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that like villain blundered. Um, and then you just kind of jumped on, on villains blunder here. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's a good look. It's a good thought. And the the reality is that, like, at the end of the day, I just don't think villains are folding nines. Sure, sure. I, I think you're correct. Um, that, was, that was the conclusion of, of you know, this one-year-old episode as well, was that, like, you know, this villain faced the jam, tanked all the way down, used his full time bank, and then folded bottom set or, like, middle set, a set of eights or something like that. And, like, you know, we can probably imply difficulty that he had folding a set probably means that he's not folding a straight yeah and i guess you know a real question is like should they even like is a set any different than a straight here like Mm. to me it's not really that different right like i I don't the the only difference would be like if you have a nine then that just removes some of the king nine that we would have in our range so like you know maybe you can block one combo of king nine by having a nine but like okay that i don't think that's like again going to be play a major role um as to like whether or not they should call the river so yeah i mean i I think that a set is kind of the same hand as a nine yeah and somehow i still think that when villain does have a nine they're going to call (laughs) when they have eights they're going (laughs) to fold though like even though like relatively they're the same strength hand I i think that villains will call with a nine and and yeah, probably I agree with you too. That that's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's, there's no clearly no great logical reason to do that. But I do agree that it, when you know, when I see someone tank down with with a set of eights, that I'm fairly confident that they're going to call with a nine, even though, like you said, there functionally there isn't that much of a difference between those two hands. Right. I would say there there is one difference in villain's mind, and that is, oh, when when they have the eights, I can just call when I have a nine and mm. fold now when I have the eights, right? Right, right, I I think that's probably the thought that pops up in their heads. Like, oh, I have, I have so many nines here. Like maybe I don't need to call with the eights, you know, these, these three combos as if, 
again, like it's not super logical, but I, I think it is a thing that people could think. Mm. So, all right. I think just to put, yeah, just to put like a bow on this hand, I think 2023 John would just call the river and like not try to do this. I think I would just, you know, I'd be like, well, this hand is just like really good. And it, you know, like it's, it's a little strange that villain even picks this size on the river. And so like, I think like part of me would think like, oh, this, the size might be just could easily be over bluffed. Like it's strange that they're picking an overbet size on in a spot where like I have the nuts and they don't. Um, yeah. And, and hearing that, like, well, just hearing the way that you thought about it, you know, like I'm trying to fold out everything here. Like essentially the thing that you're valuing the highest is winning the pot. Mm-hmm. It's not leaning into pot odds. It's not thinking about like bluff catching. It, it is just like the absolute result of this hand. Yeah. Like you need to win this hand. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, again, that's a good marker of your progression since we recorded this past episode. Yeah, yeah. The point of poker is to win the most money, not the most hands. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. All right, so yeah, we're going to take a short break and then head back to the second hand in this throwback reanalysis episode. Stick around after the break. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle. Rated R. All right. Welcome back to this throwback episode. And should have let you know before we fired up that check the description bar if you're looking to watch the episodes that these hands were pulled from. We'll have those linked in the description bar on YouTube and in your favorite podcast player. Just look at the description. That's where they will be. So this second hand is going to be, um, you know, you opening from the cutoff, call a three bet, flop is five, eight, nine, and the flop goes check, check. Uh, and then... What's the turn? I can't remember the turn. Um, I don't remember the turn either, but it's an undercard. All right. So basically a, a blank. Yeah. And then the board pairs on the river. So that's the action. Old John will do a decent job of setting it up as well. Just going to give you, if you're listening to this episode on the podcast and for some ungodly reason, haven't been watching the YouTube videos yet, uh, letting you know what the board's going to be. So let's roll. All right, so five, eight, nine, rainbow was the board. John had ace and a spades, so overcards with backdoor nut flush draw. There's two hundred five in the pot. John's got nine hundred or so left behind. Um, so, give me your thoughts. Um, I talk about like one of the first things I, I guess I want to address is like the thing that I said about like not stabbing because like you know our hand has like pretty good connectivity on like the nine eight with the nine of spades when we have a ten of spades boards and like, I don't want to get check raised and like lose the hand or something like that. Um, I think that ties back in really closely or really well with uh, the conversation that we had at the end of the last hand where you said like, you know, back, back this, back in this day, John, like that John seemed a little bit too obsessed with trying to win every pot or like finding a way to win every hand. And I think that's like sort of related to, 
to this spot where like I you can see that I'm like hesitant about stabbing because like I don't want to fold to the check raise and like you know we have like a ton of backdoor equity and like giving up on that you know would be was very painful to one year ago John um yeah I think that's that's like the first thing that I would change that is that like I I would not that would be fear of getting check raised is no longer a reason I'm I'm not stabbing um these sorts right. of events right um and I think that you know, looking back at my analysis of, of this spot too, I think that you the, this hand just should almost certainly be stabbed. Like, and the reason why is like you block a lot of their lower equity check raise range, mm-hmm. you know, Jack 10, Queen 10, uh, maybe like King 10 of spades, just those hands, like you having, um, a spade and having a 10, I think it's good. I think that, one thing that I didn't talk about was I think it's totally reasonable for the the three better to check range here. Like I think they could have overpairs. They could just have like they could have full range. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that if they have full range, they're also gonna have like pseudo broadways, ace king off, ace queen off. So they're gonna have hands that just like naturally check fold here. And I would imagine that they're probably gonna just overfold facing the flop bet. And so mm-hmm. I would just bet with this hand yeah. and generally, I think generally use like half pot would probably be my preference here. Not a third. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to yeah. put a lot of pressure on, uh, you know, they're like King Jack, King 10 type hands that may or may not have back doors. Um, just because I think it's, you know, if they're checking range, when they check call, we don't necessarily always just want to bomb off on every single turn in river. Mm-hmm. So I would like to fold out the hands that could bluff us um on a future street like if they sure. call the flop with like king jack and then turn yeah. checks through and then they bet the river right so yeah. yeah i would i would bet with this hand um i would not stab range like i would not bet range here i think you have a lot of hands that naturally want to check back like sixes seven seven eight um is of- having a lot of backdoor equity one of the reasons you would stab a hand like this like it, it's it feels weird right like i said like i don't want to stab this hand because i have so much backdoor backdoor equity i don't want to get check raised off of it but it kind of seems like the direction you're going is like, I probably wouldn't barrel every turn in river. And like this hand is good to stab because like the turns and rivers that I do barrel are like very natural and obvious to me on the, on the turn. Yeah, okay. I would, I would totally agree. And I think like, you know, betting when you have more equity in this spot is probably better than betting when you have less equity. So like having some nutted backdoor potential is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, having some like barrels on, you know, a turn seven or a turn six. Yeah. I think that's really nice as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think this hand makes for a great candidate to bet sure. in this situation where villain's likely checking range and is, you know, almost certainly going to check fold uh, too often facing like a half pot size bet. Yep. Okay. I'm in complete agreement with you. I think current day John, present day John would also just see about this board with this hand and hope for good turns to barrel. Yeah. And just uh, real quick, for those of you watching on YouTube, you know, the first video you could see, the first uh, hand, me and John were both clean shaven. Now, video number two, we're both... We're both going through a downstream, downstream clearly. All right, so let's go to the turn. The turn's a deuce of clubs, so 589 was a flop. There's 205 in there. John's got 900. Turn's uh, just a deuce. It puts up a backdoor club draw, but yeah, relative blank. I have made the video out of sequence here. I've, I've ruined everything here as the, the person in control. But uh, we'll go back to you know, that spot. I rewound the video. So 
John faced a half pot size bet and said that plans to call down here thought you would be ahead of a lot of the range. So I guess we'll we'll start there. Um do you agree with that statement? I think this hand is ahead of a big portion of the range that checks the flop and bets the turn. Like I don't think like I wouldn't expect like ace king, ace queen, ace jack to do this all that frequently. So like I think that when they do bet the turn, their hands are split into like some of the traps on the flop, like the overpairs that are just maybe checking range and then um, you know, just there's no shortage of like really normal bluffs for them to have if they're checking range on the flop. They I can wouldn't even call have... them. I wouldn't call them traps. You know, they're just high equity checks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean traps. Like just you know, overpairs that are checking the flop. Sure. And then um, you know, if they're checking range, they probably have some very natural hands to bluff the turn. The hands like Jack Ten, Queen Ten, um, you know, turn clubs, um, just you know, all that stuff. So I think that depending on what their flop C bet strategy is, Ace Ten could be doing. Uh, really well on the flo- uh, really well facing this bet and like okay if you know if they have aces and stuff so consensus call turn fold turn present day john um i would call turn and then just evaluate river like just see what happens on the river okay that's fair so no real plan on the turn that's a big difference from the old one where you know you yeah, had yeah. a plan to just call down and now you know you're calling and just kind of taking it as it comes right right so all right let's play this out okay so we have a few things to talk about there first is my analysis um because that is what matters to me most right now uh yeah so i think calling and seeing what happens is, <laughs> is the path, right? Like, I, um, I, I will say a thing that I didn't verbalize there was I don't think your plan is like weakened by the eight. It's, it's not like, I, I think that this, this isn't like, I mean, I know what you're thinking that like they don't have trips and you do. So again, you're trying to fold out everything, which we can kind of point back to like, this being a very ambitious phase of John's poker Seems career. Seems to be a trend, yeah, of yeah. old you John. Just, you just want to fold everything. But I think like the eight, you know, just strengthens your hand and strengthens your bluff catching properties. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know how much it strengthens it. Like it sort of keeps, it, it strengthens it in the sense that like it's not a jack or a queen or a king or something like that, I guess. Like it doesn't really change, obviously it doesn't change the strength of my hand or the strength of, you know, uh, Right. Lynn's hand. Um, Basically, if you're bluff catching on the turn, like versus the hands that you're beating on the turn, you're still beating yeah, yeah. them on the river. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. But I still think that jamming is better. <laughs> okay, so now elaborate on that. Okay, so I think that like, I, I like the idea of like having... I don't know. I, I think that I said like my plan was to call it down, but I, you know, clearly like I was more flexible than like whatever I'd stated to myself, like on the turn. Cause I, I did find the jam on the river and I didn't just, I didn't just call. Like I said, I would on the turn. Well, um, it's a good card for you to jam. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. never betting bed- an eight and like an eight makes perfectly good sense that like you check back the flop with an eight, you sure. call the turn and then you river trips. Sure. Um, I think that the biggest takeaway from this hand is like, 
yo, when the equity shift from one range to another and like John realizes he's got all the best hands, if you're playing against John, just bet and call anything. Because <laughs> he's going to send it. The money's going to go in every time. <laughs> I, think that's a, I, mean, I think that's a good observation though. Like I still think that's something that I do all the time and I think that's just good poker. It's like when the equity shifts and of course you have an advantage. just keep putting my right. money in <laughs> like yeah i think you know one of the first thoughts you should have and i still do have is like oh can i just win this pot now because they clearly are betting hands that they you know they don't have the nuts or they don't have like top of range um, right like you know kind of like a an analog if if somebody plays blackjack it's like you have 11 showing and the dealer has six right and the dealer says okay let's place another bet that you can also double you're like okay like i'm you're gonna press that edge because like you you have an advantage in this situation sure. and like the dealer like wants to put more money in the pot for some ungodly reason right so basically that's what's happening where like you have the advantage here this is like clearly a much better card for you than them and you're just kind of pouncing on that opportunity as it presents mm -hmm. itself yeah and I think it was similar. Like I was trying to do the same thing in the first hand too, where like I thought the river, like the queen, where that promotes all my ace kings to the nuts, like was a really, really good card for me. I thought that they shouldn't be betting that card very often and definitely not overbet. Um similar story here where like I said in the, you know, like I say in the old replay, like they're just capped to like aces here, in my opinion. Um, and I think aces is gonna have trouble finding you know, tons of natural bluffs facing this this river jam. Maybe just it's only like the club club hands that don't stab the flop. Um, You're not folding out aces. I don't. Yeah, think. I, I, mean, I, I don't I think, think, think I'm folding out aces either. That that whole uh, I'm gonna fold out everything they have thought. I, I think that's that's one that's like probably a thought that you've done away with. So yeah. When you go through a phase of trying to make everybody fold everything they have in their range, you realize, or I realize that that doesn't work. And so, yeah, I'm now. That's that's now well in the past. Right. Um, and I think that just looking back on this hand, like stabbing the flop is the biggest thing mm. that I would advocate for. Sure, just sure. like betting the flop just makes a lot of sense. And I think like when you bet the flop, it actually changes the the whole structure of this hand because like if villain check calls and then the turn checks through and then the river's an eight, like, and then villain bets, like that's going to be just a really different scenario than when you check back and villain bets and you call and then mm -hmm. villain bets when the eight pairs. Um, and I think that like if villain check calls, I mean, I actually think if villain check calls, then you would never jam on the river facing this bet. You would be in pure call or fold mode. Yeah, I think that's what I should have been in even in this situation. What do you mean? Like, I think I should have been in call or fold mode here with ace 10. Like, I, I don't know that I like this. So you said you liked the jam just five seconds ago. I mean, no, I said, I, I don't know that I liked it. Like, I, 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 I'm more meant to say, like, I see what I'm doing. Like, I see that, like, that, that they're capped and, like, I'm trying to fold out, like, they're, you know, a big chunk of, like, their overpair range. But, like, again, like you said, like, I don't think that happens. And I know that because I've done this a bunch of times since then and, like, just gotten snapped by aces, kings, queens, jacks, whatever, every single time. And... Yeah, I think, uh, like, so interestingly, like, Villain does have Ace-Jack here. So you do fold out a better hand, which yep. is a little comical. Um, just, yeah, I think, like, 
villain probably could have just checked a turn and the turn checks through and then they check the river and you check back and like they just win with ace jack high there is really no reason to kind of create this situation that they created wait so um, let me let me just clear something up so like you said that like had i started with a um uh a bet a on flop, the flop see bet yeah, yeah if i started with a bet on the flop and they probably just check, check, check fold ace jack right well like, let's just say they let's just say they check call whatever. I don't know what they have. Let's say I start out with a small bet on the flop. They check call. Turn goes check check rivers, this river, and then they bet the river. And you're saying that I should be in like call fold mode. Are you, are you saying that that should not be the mode that I'm in right now? Or that, um, you think that raising facing not, this line is more acceptable for some reason or like is better well, for some reason? Well, raising facing this line is definitely better because I think that in the same way that like, you know, villain bet here when they don't have any eights, I think mm-hmm. that like on the river, it's difficult for you to raise when you don't really have any eights because you bet the flop and check back the turn. Like you don't bet the flop with seven, eight, right? Like the, so you, you don't really have any eights when you bet sure. the flop and villain would. Right. And so that's just going to eliminate your ability to take an aggressive action here because, you know, again, in, in that situation, like the villain actually has the nutted hands and sure. you don't really have the nutted hands. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty cool difference in, like what why I'd be in like pure bluff catch mode facing that river bet, but facing this river bet, it's you know, raising is definitely on the table. It's on the table for sure. Um and, and clearly it makes more sense the more like ace jack, ace queen, ace king that they bet on the turn in the river. Uh I'm not exactly sure like why they bet ace jack here. Yeah. That's I why I didn't expect would... to see like when I said like, oh, I think ace ten is like depending on their C bet strategy, I think ace ten could be doing really well. I just didn't expect Ace Jack, Ace Queen, Ace King to to delay C bet the turn. Yeah, I suspect that they also value winning the pot. Yeah. Instead of valuing just having a good strategy. And so that's what's going to lead them to bet the turn more yeah. with like Ace Queen and Ace Jack. It's the you know, the thing that drives, I think, lots of players is just like, I want to win this, win this exact <laughs> hand. Like watching like two cavemen play poker and like beat each other over the head with like rocks trying to like win the pot, basically. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I think that we'll be able to watch our analysis a year from now for some episodes that we're recording and probably get the same sense that like, oh, what were you thinking back then? You know, it's... And the reality is though, like we should be... Like we should be embarrassed by how we thought a year ago, right? That's a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. That means we're yeah, growing. Yeah. That means we're learning, right? Like, if you know, I have some like old uh, crush cash games on YouTube that I recorded like you know eight years ago now or something like just a really long time. And like, yeah, it, it's fairly embarrassing that like it's there and and that you know my strategies were what they were, but like that's the reality of this game. You're trying to progress. You're trying to get better from year to year. You're trying to learn. You're trying to improve. And I mean, you get new tools, you get new methodologies, you just learn more about human beings. So the reality is like, you should be embarrassed by how you thought about poker uh, a year ago, especially if you're in like a new phase, right? Or you're relatively inexperienced player. You should be able to look back at a play and explain video that you made and be like, wow, what was I thinking? Like, that's, that's crazy. This is like, it's like cringe worthy. Right. I think that's a good marker (laughs) that like you're doing it right. When Mm -hmm. you look back and you're, you cringe. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Like I'm actually doing this. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You're doing it proper. So 
yeah, this is a fun episode. Good concept. I think moving forward, I'm probably not just going to blurt out concepts in the middle of episodes anymore. Because shockingly, you know, for the YouTube watcher, this this was fairly complex putting all these pieces in place. But overall, enjoyable experience. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do a another embarrassment episode like this maybe at the end of the year or something like that. Maybe we should do this regularly. I, I, I like this format a lot. I like looking back at, at old hands. Yeah, me too. So that's all we got for this week. Y'all take care. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.